7 o'clock on the West Coast. 10 a.m. on the East Coast of America. Good morning, America. It is 3 p.m. in London, 7.30 in Mumbai, India. 11 p.m. in Kyoto, Japan. And in Malaysia, it's 19.32. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. As usual. <laughs> Welcome in. Hello, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Twitch.tv Live, and Rumble. Dot com. Hello, Rumble. Thank you for all of your views. Hey, while you're watching, don't forget, please, to hit that subscribe or follow button. It's over here somewhere. Anyway, if you're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Rumble.com particularly, just please do me the one favor, for absolutely free, just click follow or subscribe. I think it's subscribe on Rumble. All right. And to all of our podcast listeners, thank you guys so much. We haven't hit the thousand yet, but we're almost there. We are almost there in our quest to hit a thousand download average per week. <sighs> almost, almost. If you haven't yet, please go over to your podcast supplier. We're on most of all the platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Radio Public, Geo7 in India. Uh, just search for I'm Not Wearing Pants or Jay Sheldon. Look for that logo right there and uh, click follow or subscribe and you're done. It's free. Thank you so much for those of you who have done that. Really, really appreciate it. It doesn't cost you a thing, means the world to me, and uh, we love you much. Alrighty then, we got a full one tonight and chapter two of Winnie the Pooh. Right now it's time for Miko the Pooh. <laughs> Miko update. Oh yeah. Little old Miko is uh, doing great. She had a little bit of an attitude tonight. We had a couple of good walks. She had a great time, and uh, she got a little wet because it was sprinkling out. So she loves being towel-dried. She fights with the towel. It's one of the highlights of her day. She will purposely go out and get wet just so she has to get dried off because she loves fighting with the towel. Anyway, we had a full day yesterday. We took her uh, to two different parks. In the morning, we went to City Park near Wonotama Shopping Center and uh, had a great time, met a lot of good friends, and she had the chance to, uh, to uh, check out some other puppies. And then at night, in the evening, about 5 o'clock or so, we went to Dessa Park City. We've shown you pictures of that before, but this was from uh, last night, last evening, uh, the little girl at Dessa Park City having a great time, and she was very happy because she has two brand new bags of snacks there, her favorite thing. All right. What was that? Wait, I got to scroll back to my, uh, here we go. Okay, there we go. <laughs> All right. So yeah, they've got some really nice statues and uh, artwork at uh, Dessa Park City as you're walking around the lake. And uh, that's the closed eyes, I'm so happy shot of uh, Miko. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's the fat guy. And I actually am wearing pants, if you'll notice. It's a rare picture of me actually in pants. Uh, there you go. There is the little girl. And uh, this park is really amazing. It really is. It's a great, great time. But uh, she had a good time. We had a uh, met tons of other dogs. There were a couple of Shebas there, a couple other Shiba Inus, and uh, 
a Samoyed that was absolutely amazing. It was huge and beautiful, pure white, and so soft. It was amazing. All right, uh, for those of you who are uh, looking at the Twitch moron who's been posting uh, spam crap, I know my audience is smart enough not to follow that junk. So just ignore them. We can't afford moderators at this point, so we'll just have to make our best. And we'll report them and get them banned later, so it's fine. We'll deal with it. Not a problem. All right. Uh, let's see. What do we got? Oh, yeah. I wasn't kidding when I put that thumbnail in the title of the show up here. Mushrooms can talk. Apparently, they can. I'm not kidding. The link is in our show notes, and you really got to check this out, because it's incredible. Scientists have discovered that fungi, mushrooms, have their own language. And it's not just some simple communication. It's actually quite complex. This is the weirdest, coolest story. Look, people ask me what this show's about. Other than the first answer, which is it's about an hour it's about just the weird, freaky stuff I find on the net. We don't do too much controversial stuff. We just find these weird, off-the-beaten-path stories, and we share them and chit-chat about them a little bit. So if that floats your boat, you found the right show, and thank you. Uh, and we read books, too, by the way. <laughs> but this is amazing, absolutely incredible. Scientists have overheard the conversations of mushrooms. And it turns out the signals they exchange in between themselves are very similar in structure to human speech. Electrical impulses in fungi. Earlier observation, the, the link is in our show notes if you want to read the whole thing because we're not going to read it all. But um, How do they communicate? Well, based on previous research, Scientists focused on the electrical impulses conducted by long filamentous structures called hyphae. I assume that's how you say that word. There is direct evidence that these filaments help in the interaction between the roots of the plant and the mycelium, which is vital for their survival. That's just absolutely the strangest thing. They analyzed the transmission of these impulses in four different species of mushrooms. Ghost fungus, enoki mushrooms, which we all know and eat and love. Uh, the common split gill mushroom. And Chinese cordyceps. Ah, Chinese cordyceps, a very famous mushroom. I actually uh, have cordyceps. They're not, they're not cheap, by the way. They're very expensive if you get real ones. There's a lot of fake ones out there, so be careful. But they are amazing uh, supplements. I I'm not your doctor. I can't recommend you do anything with them, but uh, research it. Check it out. I actually made a tincture out of uh, the, the uh, Chinese cordyceps mushrooms, and it's, it's been amazing. Anyway, they recorded this activity using microelectrodes inserted into the substrate, basically the ground, colonized by mycelium. And here's a chart, shows all the different weird interactions. This uh, represents the peak activity recorded in the Milteris and Volupteps over five days. It turned out 
the word length distribution of communicating mushrooms is similar to the average length of words in English. What? Serious, huh? As it turns out, there are indeed patterns in impulses that have common features with human speech. Peaks of activity were combined into binary sequences of up to 50 words in inverted quotations. The most sociable were the split-gill mushrooms. They generated the most complex sentences of all the mushrooms that they tested. It is possible, however, that in fact the impulses don't carry any information. The growing tips of the hi-fi are electrically charged, and when they pass through a pair of electrodes, a simple surge of potential difference is recorded. There you see a chart with that on it. Uh, there's a quote here. Once we get the sales pitch out of the way, here we go. We do not know if there's a direct link between the electrical activity of hi-fi and human speech. Probably not. But on the other hand, there are some, many similarities in information processing in living substrates of different classes, families, and species. And that's according to the lead author of the report, Professor Andrew Adamatsky. Weird. The language of mushrooms. They appear to actually talk. Look at that. How weird is that? Looks like a worm. <laughs> this is strange. But yeah, that's the report. Check it out. The link is in our show notes. It's uh, it's weird, but that's what we share on this show. The weird stuff. <sighs> As we continue in this country to ridiculously, asininely, if that's a word, if it's not, I just made it up, uh, actually sentence people to death for possession, sale of marijuana, which is insane. A friend of mine posted this, and I had to share it. It's just a very quick, and it's visual, so if you're listening on the uh, podcast, sorry, check out the link. I did put the link, even though it's just a picture, in our, uh, in our show notes tonight. And it's originally been posted by Cannabis Gerbil, uh, Journal. <laughs> Cannabis Gerbil. I think I've created a new comic. Uh, cannabis Journal, so you can imagine. Yeah. So anyway, this is a quote, apparently, from uh, Bill Murray. I love Bill Murray. What an amazing, funny guy. The quote is, I find it quite ironic that the most dangerous thing about weed is getting caught with it. <laughs> oh, Bill, you are exactly right. The most dangerous thing about weed is getting caught with it. That's a shame. When will they ever learn? As the song goes, when will they ever learn? What else we got tonight? Oh, cool. GoPros. If you don't know what a GoPro is... Well, just, let me just briefly, it's a very tiny, small little camera. It's a little cube-shaped thing. It's actually like a rectangle box, but it's very small. It's only, uh, can we switch over to the, yeah, okay. It's, it's about this big and about that thick. And it's just 
a little camera that shoots very high-resolution video and photos, but who uses GoPros for photos? Uh, and so because it's so small, you can attach it to a bike helmet, uh, front of your handlebars, you can stick it almost anywhere. And these guys stuck it to a weather balloon and sent it to the edges of the atmosphere and lost it. But this is an incredible story. So cool. It's from physicsastronomy.com. Once again, we've shared a few of their things. The link's in our show notes tonight. Check it out. In the, that's the description down below. A lost weather balloon GoPro has been found two years later with incredible footage of Earth from space. In June of 2014, five friends in Arizona planned to send a GoPro, uh, a camcorder, and a phone up in a weather balloon to record some footage of space. So Brian Chan, Ved Chiroth, uh, Chirayoth, Ashish Goal, Paul Tarantino, I wonder if he's any relation to Quentin Tarantino, and Tyler Reed, they were college students at the time. They built this gadget calculated the trajectory, registered with the FAA to avoid interfering with passing planes, and then launched the weather balloon into space in the desert a few miles outside of Tuba City. These are some of the photographs that were taken. Absolutely amazing. They intended to use the GPS uh, on the smartphone to track the balloon's movement so that after it fell down, they would be able to figure out from the GPS locator where it landed. But as the device floated out of cell phone tower range, they lost communications with the locator. This is actually shots from the day they launched the thing. Check out that. The group had been wondering for months if they would ever get their balloon and camera back. And uh, actually, it took two years to realize the benefits of their project. They got a call from some unknown number two years after they launched the balloon. They never found the balloon and the cameras or the phone. But after two years, they get a call from an unknown number, and it's a hiker in Arizona that discovered this bizarre box with their names on it 50 miles from the original launch place. When the team was reunited with their gear, they were able to witness the incredible video and photographs the camera had produced, including a stunning money shot of the Grand Canyon captured from the stratosphere above. There's the balloon just as it launched. And wow, check that out. They had the opportunity to analyze the data from their equipment. The balloon had reached a height of 98,664 feet. Cool flown for one hour and 38 minutes. Now check this out. I gotta mute this. Uh, here is 2013 group of students sent a balloon on the edge of space over the Grand Canyon. Here's some test footage. Let me just get rid of the ads here. Test footage and uh, checking out. Here's the design of the box that was gonna carry the GoPro and the phone and everything. They 3D printed the chassis, and this is what it all looked like. 
They head out 20 miles west of the Grand Canyon. There they are, some time lapse of them getting everything all set up. This is amazing. Blowing up the balloon. And there it goes at 10.46 a.m. Takes off. What was it 2013 it was? Wow. And there's the box. And there it goes with the uh, GoPro recording. That is uh, amazing. Check that out. There's, they've got one shot looking straight down and one out to the side so they can catch the edges of uh, the atmosphere as it goes up. This is amazing footage. You've got to check out the link in our show notes and uh, watch this. Check out the whole article, but check out the, uh, the video too. If you scroll down through, it's in there. This is a Look at that. Nine minutes after launch, and it's already that high. That is incredible. There you go, 23 minutes. They're at 37,000, almost 38,000 feet. And look at that. That is almost the edge of space. Well, the edge of the atmosphere. There you go, 86,000 feet, 26.4 miles. And look at that, there's the Grand Canyon. <laughs> that looks like it's a long ways away. Somehow it landed about 50 miles away from where they actually uh, launched the thing. And then uh, coming up here very shortly, you'll see where I think the balloon pops, actually, or runs out of steam or something. And uh, you can see that. And also the crash landing when it wound up back down. How does this thing go 26 miles above the Earth and land only 50 miles from where they launched it? That is the strangest thing. Look at this video. That is amazing. Wow. Imagine that. Now, let me scroll through here. And here's the point. Yeah, there you go. Where it pops, there's the balloon pieces. And it starts to fall back to the earth. It's got a long way to go. <laughs> they got some slow motion replay. There goes a bit of debris from it. And now the uh, camera starts to tumble. There's more debris from the balloon, I assume. And fall it does, all 26 over miles, all the way back down. And then this is telescoped a little bit. We don't see the whole trip. 30 minutes of wind tumbling later. <laughs> and there you go. As it heads down and boom, crash landed upside down in what I assume is the desert. There's a picture of what it looked like when they found it. That's amazing. That is incredible. Wow. <laughs> what a story. I didn't mean to spend so much time on that. I'm just fascinated by this footage. It, it is amazing. Check it out. The link's in our show notes. You can watch it at your leisure and uh, check out the video and the whole story, too. All right. An expensive proposition, although they did get the camera back. So, Speaking of expenses, expensive. You like the way I tied that in there? Here in Malaysia, where it's not just here in Malaysia, everywhere people complain. We have a thing these days that people complain about everything and anything. My favorite is I'm offended. And my answer to that is, yeah, so what? And then what? Is your life going to stop because you got offended? Big freaking deal. So you got offended. So what? And then what? Anyway, these days, you know, we can't offend anybody. What the hell with that? You get offended, too bad. Get on with it. Get over yourself. Anyway, 
Because people love to complain, this story appeared. It's from the Malay Mail, and the link is in our show notes. We encourage you to click over there to the Malay Mail and check it out. A Kada restaurant owner slams a customer, yes, who complained that a 150 ringgit meal for nine people was too expensive. Now, you think about that. What would that be, nine people at 150? Well, somewhere like just under 20 bucks a piece. Sorry, but that ain't expensive. Uh, yeah, here's the restaurant. Here's the bill. Uh, 148 ringgit and 40 sen. Uh, let's get past all the KFC ads here. Alostar restaurant owner Sam's Wong took to Facebook to express his disappointment over a customer's complaint that the food served at his eatery was too expensive. The total bill, seven dishes, came up to 148.40 at Wong's eatery, Restaurant Chai Por Ru, or Hu, sorry, Restaurant Chai Por Hu. And uh, there you go, there's the bill. Uh, Asia One reported the receipt uploaded three days ago showed the customer had ordered seven dishes, including pork ribs, kung pao prawns, braised tofu, and beverages that were served to nine diners. You know me on this show, I've said it before, I'm a big advocate of the fact that the customer is not always right. In fact, oftentimes the customer is wrong. And we should not kowtow to these idiots just because they're the customer. If you're wrong, you're wrong. Sorry, nine people eating for 150 bucks. Probably what is, my math sucks, but I think that's less than 20 bucks a piece. Ain't a whole lot of money. He expressed his frustration saying in the business field, customers always come first. That's why he was reluctant to explain himself initially. Uh, doesn't anyone know about the rise in chicken prices, pork prices, cooking oil prices, input? Yeah, the rise in everything these days. Uh, 150, not enough to purchase fresh meat and vegetables at the market for nine people. Um, the restaurant has a 22-year-old history, loved by Malaysians and foreign diners, and kept its original prices despite being affected by the pandemic. Wong's Facebook post been liked by over 3,000 users. Yes! And they stand in solidarity with the restaurateur saying the customer was being unreasonable. So there is the restaurant. I encourage you to stop by for a meal and give him your business. Restaurant Chai Por Hu is the place. And uh, good on you standing up for yourself we need more people to do that have these ridiculous complainers just tell them to shut up and sit down nobody cares about you and your stupid complaints <laughs> i'm serious i'm so over these people all right i'm gonna move to sweden again another silly attempt at doing some sort of segue between the last story and this story in sweet look at this this is so cool i put a link in the show notes it's just a picture uh, with some words on it but uh, it's cool anyway listen to this in sweden you have a constitutional right to allemansdraten 
and I'm sure I butchered that. If you know Swedish, you're probably laughing right now. But you have a constitutional right to allemansraten, meaning every man's right, which is the right, now listen, you have the right to peacefully hike, camp, bike, and enjoy nature anywhere in the country unimpeded, with only restrictions being that you must not hike close to someone's house or damage a garden. Makes sense? So essentially, Sweden is a 100 million acre playground, open to everybody, and it is expressly written that you have the in the Constitution that you have the right to enjoy hiking, camping, bike riding, anywhere in nature throughout the entire country. That's a cool thing. Damn, Sweden, you folks know how to go about things the right way. More countries should have this kind of thing. I love this. I love this. That is such a cool thing. It's your right to go hiking and see the trees walking. No, I'm not kidding. Did you know that trees walk? There are such things known as walking trees. And that, my friends, is a good segue. Now, you can't complain about that segue. That was a good one. From hiking in nature to walking trees. You think I'm kidding? I'm not kidding. This is from Hits Saba. Uh, again, they shared it, but the credit goes to Neil Bryan for two on uh, TikTok. I've heard about this thing. I've never seen video of it, but you are about to see video of it. These are what's called walking trees. Again, podcast listeners, sorry, but you must, you must, if none of the other links uh, links to click on, please go to the bottom of all of our show note links and click on this one because you will not believe this. These are actual walking trees. I kid you not. On camera. Now, this is just a still shot, but watch this. Look at that. I'm sorry, I can't make it any bigger. Look at that. Look at that. It's actually moving in real time. Look at that. There's this one. Look at that right there. Check out this one. This is insane. This is scary. What the heck was that? Play that again. This is unbelievable. Every time I watch this, I'm freaked out. Look at this. You can actually see that. I mean, they're, they're moving fast. This one digging up dirt as it goes. What the hell is going on? This is not fake. This is real footage. Look at that one. It's moving. Fast as a car almost. That is insane. Wow. Thank you to Neil Bryan for two. You can see his name here on the, uh, on the credits uh, from TikTok. You want to go over and give him a follow or whatever you do on TikTok. I don't know. I'm not on TikTok, nor will I ever be on TikTok. If you want to know why, read their terms and conditions and you'll figure it out. And you'll probably get off TikTok yourself. <laughs> Man. That is the freakiest thing. Actual trees walk. Well, 
moving, all right? Walking is a bit of a misnomer, but very, very weird. All right, coffee break time. Give me a second. And we're back. All right. Uh, it's book time. <laughs> we're going to continue on, of course, with my favorite book of all time. It is A.A. A. Milne, Winnie the Pooh. And uh, we started this in our last stream. We are going to move on to chapter two in the book of Winnie the Pooh, first published back in 1926 and uh, illustrated by E.H. Shepard beautifully. In fact, that's some of E.H. Uh, e. Shepard's work right there you see on the, uh, on the screen. And uh, as we get through, you'll see more of that as we uh, show you bits and pieces. This is Winnie the Pooh from 1926, Chapter 2, in which Pooh goes visiting and gets into a tight place. Edward Bear, known to his friends as Winnie the Pooh, or Pooh for short, was walking through the forest one day, humming proudly to himself. He had made up a little hum that very morning, and he was doing his stoutness exercises in front of the glass. Tra-la-la, tra-la-la, as he stretched up as high as he could go. And then... Tra-la-la, tra-la-la, oh, help. As he tried to reach his toes. After breakfast, he said it over and over to himself until he'd learned it off by heart. And now he was humming it right through properly. It went like this. Tra-la-la, tra-la-la, tra-la-la-la-la, Rum dum diddly um dum. Tweedle deedle deedle deedle, tweedle deedle deedle, rum tum diddly um. Well, he was humming this hum to himself and walking along gaily, wondering what everybody else was doing and what it felt like being someone else. When suddenly he came to a sandy bank, and in the bank, was a large hole. Aha, said Pooh, rum-dum-diddle-um-tum. If I know anything about anything, that hole means rabbit, he said. And rabbit means company, he said. And company means food, and listening to me humming and such like crum tum tiddle tum So he bent down, and he put his head in the hole, and he called out, Is anybody at home? There was a sudden scuffling noise from inside the hole, and then silence. Uh, what I said was, Is anyone at home? Called out Pooh very loudly. No! said a voice, and then added, And needn't shout so loud, I heard you quite well the first time. Bother, said Pooh. Isn't there anybody here at all? Nobody! Well, Winnie the Pooh took his head out of the hole, and he thought for a little bit. And then he thought to himself, There must be 
somebody in there because somebody must have said nobody. So he put his head back in the hole and said, Hello, Rabbit. Is that you? No, said Rabbit in a different sort of voice this time. But isn't that Rabbit's voice? I don't think so, said Rabbit. It isn't meant to be. Oh, said Pooh. Well, he took his head out of the hole and had another think, and then he put it back in and said, Well, could you very kindly tell me where Rabbit is? He's gone to see his friend Pooh Bear, who's a great friend of his. Uh, but this is me, said Bear, very much surprised. What sort of me? Pooh Bear, are you sure? said Rabbit, still more surprised. Uh, quite sure, said Pooh. Oh, well then, come in. So Pooh pushed and pushed and pushed his way through the hole, and at last he got in. You were quite right, said Rabbit, looking at him all over. It is you. Glad to see you. Uh, who did you think it was? Well, I wasn't sure. You know how it is in the forest. One can't have anybody coming into one's house. One has to be careful. What about a mouthful of something? Pooh always liked a little something at 11 o'clock in the morning, and he was very glad to see Rabbit getting out the plates and mugs. And when Rabbit said, Honey or condensed milk with your bread, he was so excited that he said, Both! And then, so as not to seem greedy, he added, uh, But don't bother about the bread, please. And for a long time after that, he said nothing. Until at last, humming to himself in a rather sticky voice, he got up, shook Rabbit lovingly by the paw, and said he must be going on. Oh, must you? said Rabbit politely. Oh, well, said Pooh, I, I could stay a little longer if, if you... And he tried very hard to look in the direction of the larder. As a matter of fact, said Rabbit, I was going out myself directly. Oh, well then, I'll be going on. Goodbye. Well, goodbye, if you're sure we won't have any more. Is there any more? said Pooh quickly. Rabbit took the covers off the dishes and said, No, there wasn't. I thought not, said Pooh, nodding to himself. Uh, well, goodbye. I must be going on. So he started to climb out of the hole. He pulled with his front paws, pushed with his back paws, and in a little while his nose was out in the open again, and then his ears, and then his front paws, and then his shoulders, and then, oh, help, said Pooh. I'd better go back. Oh, bother, said Pooh. I shall have to go on. I can't do either, said Pooh. Oh, help and bother. Now, by this time, Rabbit wanted to go for a walk, too. Finding the front door full, he went out by the back door, came around to Pooh, and looked at him. 
Hello? Are you stuck? he asked. No, said Pooh carelessly. Uh, just resting and thinking and humming to myself. Here, give us a paw. Pooh stretched out a paw. Rabbit pulled and pulled and pulled. Ow, said Pooh. You're hurting. <coughs> the fact is, said Rabbit, you're stuck. It all comes, said Pooh crossly, of not having front doors big enough. It all comes, said the Rabbit sternly, of eating too much. I thought at the time, said Rabbit, only I didn't like to say anything, said Rabbit, that one of us was eating too much, said Rabbit, and I knew it wasn't me, he said. Well, well, I shall go and fetch Christopher Robin. Christopher Robin lived at the other end of the forest, and when he came back with Rabbit and saw the front half of Pooh, he said, Silly old bear, in such a loving voice that everyone felt quite hopeful again. I was just beginning to think, said Bear, sniffing slightly, that Rabbit might never be able to use his front door again. I should hate that, he said. So should I, said Rabbit. Use his front door again, said Christopher Robin, of course he'll use his front door again. Good, said Rabbit. If we can pull you out, Pooh, we might as well push you back. Rabbit scratched his whiskers thoughtfully and pointed out that when once Pooh was pushed back, he was back. And of course, <clears throat> nobody was more glad to see Pooh than he was. Still, there it was. Some lived in trees, some lived underground, and... You mean I'd never get out, said Pooh. I mean, said Rabbit, that having got so far, it seems a pity to waste it. Christopher Robin nodded. Then there's only one thing to be done, he said. We shall have to wait for you to get thin again. How long does getting thin take? asked Pooh anxiously. Oh, about a week, I should think. But I can't stay here for a week. You can stay here all right, silly old bear. It's getting you out, which is so difficult. We'll read to you, said Rabbit cheerfully. And I hope it won't snow, he added. And I say, old fellow, you're taking up a good deal of room in my house. Do you mind if I use your back legs as a towel horse? because, I mean, they are there, doing nothing, and it would be very convenient just to hang a towel on them. A week, said Pooh gloomily. What about meals? Oh, I'm afraid no meals, said Christopher Robin, because getting thin quicker. But we will read to you. A bear began to sigh, and then found he couldn't because he was so tightly stuck. A tear rolled down his eye as he said, uh, Then you should read a sustaining book, such as would help and comfort a wedged bear in great tightness. So, for a week, 
Christopher Robin read that sort of book at the north end of Pooh, and Rabbit hung his washing on the south end. And in between, Bear felt himself getting slenderer and slenderer. And at the end of the week, Christopher Robin said, Now! So he took hold of Pooh's front paws, and Rabbit took hold of Christopher Robin, and all Rabbit's friends and relations took hold of Rabbit, and they all pulled together. And for a long time, Pooh only said, Ow! And, Oh! And then, all of a sudden, he said, Pop! Just as if a cork were coming out of a bottle. And Christopher Robin and Rabbit and all of Rabbit's friends and relations went head over heels backwards. And on top of them came Winnie the Pooh, free. So, with a nod of thanks to his friends, he went on with his walk through the forest, humming proudly to himself. But Christopher Robin looked after him lovingly and said, Silly old bear. That's chapter two. Coming up in our next stream, we'll do chapter three, in which Pooh and Piglet go hunting and very nearly catch a woozle. A.A. <laughs> uh, a. Milne's Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> All right, my friends, thanks for uh, popping by and joining. I will see you again on Wednesday night for another stream. We'll find some more interesting, fascinating things to uh, chit-chat about, and of course move on with chapter 3 of Winnie the Pooh. If you are watching our video, please do subscribe and follow wherever it is on Rumble, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, and don't forget our podcast. <clears throat> For those of you who can, go to your favorite podcast supplier, uh, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, and search for I'm Not Wearing Pants or Jay Sheldon. Look for that logo. That's us. And just click follow, subscribe. And uh, it's free for you, and it means a lot to us. Thank you. I will see you Wednesday. Till then, I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Good night. Amy Joe. Joe.